Nobody Asked Us, a podcast where two friends try to figure out all the things that fascinate, annoy, and baffle us. So join me, Sanaz. And me, Rachel. As we delve into all the things that nobody asked us about, but we really wanted to share. So this episode is dedicated to words. Just, <laughs> just words. general words. Yeah. Kind of seems random, but we were just talking about words we love, words we hate, and we thought, you know what, let's create a whole darn episode about all the words that fascinate, annoy, and baffle us. Um, yes. So Rachel, I know this is, Thank as you. a writer, this is totally in your wheelhouse. Um, do you want to start us off with the first category of words we just find really gross and disgusting? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so also, I think that, like, it's not just a writer thing. I think it's, <laughs> every, everybody has feelings about words. That's very true. That's very true. I'll so, give myself more credit then. Yeah, I mean, so the first word in the gross category, words that just kind of make us cringe and ugh, just do like that. Just like, ugh. yeah. Um, so the classic one, like the phrase, it's apparently considered to be by some, I don't know how scientific studies, but I would say anecdotally correct. Uh, the word, the phrase, moist panties. <laughs> so moist alone is apparently the most hated word. Why is it? So I think about this moist. Moist is such mm -hmm. a gross, but damp. Mm -hmm. Is damp less gross than moist? I think slightly less, but you don't like the feeling of damp. Damp sounds like you got caught in the rain and now you're uncomfortable in your clothes. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I think it's yes. the feeling we get too. Yeah. Damp has also like a smell. Like it smells like yeah. mildewy. Why is the word horny so ick? The Brits have Randy. randy. Oh, ran oh, you're, you know what? Randy is fantastic. <laughs> Is it better to us, you think, because we're not in the UK? Like, do people in the UK think Randy is just as icky as we find horny? You know what? That's a good question, and we should consult. Apparently, a lot of the words that people find, like, inexplicably gross that aren't linked mm -hmm. to something horny uh, are things, like, that use a lot of, like, the use or, like, the, like, sounds where you have to, like, put your mouth downwards. Like, it's, like, lugubrious. Sounds mm -hmm. a little gross. You know, interesting. Crusty <laughs> sounds Crusty. sounds grosser than like flaky. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you? Okay, so do you have any um, words that get to you like that? Like, what are the words that you think are the grossest? I would probably say the word egregious for some reason freaks me out, and I think it's because okay. the sound. The word explains the sound. Like, but yeah, moist is up there. Damp is up there. Shall we move on to our next category of words we don't like? Yes. We're going to get on to words we do like, by the way. For Yeah, exactly. And then we'll, we'll end on a happy note. Um, all right. I'll start this one off. Yeah. All annoying. Corporate speak jargon. Like basically everyone's descriptions on LinkedIn, any, you know, PowerPoint you see these days, it feels like there's an alternative language of just corporate jargon speak words like leverage and synergy and digital transformation what are the fuck that's supposed to mean for a company like it just feels like right we say words that in theory make sense but someone can just go on a monologue in a meeting and then at the end of it you're like what just happened i don't understand what just happened 
So I, I wish to completely erase this from all companies. Yeah. So, okay. I was wondering about a couple things. So people use like, okay, leverage, for example, the first one you example you gave, um, basically just means to use, right? Like leverage mm -hmm. our capabilities, like leverage this acquisition. Oh, what, like it, if it's not talking about like debt specifically, which is a yes. technical term for leverage, the way it's used, it, it just means use. Using. Like, yeah. Why can't we just say use? I wonder if there's some aspect of this corporate speak that's just trying to get yourself in work mode. So you're saying like, you know, it's like code switching, you know, code switching, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like yeah. code switching is, for example, when like somebody like, enters a different community, mm -hmm. if they, you know, you, they speak in a different way to like be able to connect with people. But like, yeah. I wonder if there's some purpose to the corporate speak or if it's just obnoxious. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on this? I, I feel like you... <sighs> I you think went to it's business school, so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's gotten out of hand. I think in the past, or at least like what I remember from when I first started working in consulting so many years ago, I felt like there was a proper way to construct an email, a proper way to communicate over formal channels. And mm -hmm. I feel like now the channels are much more casual, right? There's a lot more instant chat and, you know, Slack and Teams and all that. But in it are just like, catch words and phrases and you're like what purpose does that specific word serve in this you know email or this whatever speech you're giving that's where I'm kind of pushing back because it just feels like we right. make up these words and it's like what but what are you trying to say <laughs> you know I mean, right like, I mean I think a lot of times it makes people feel more assured or like authoritative to be like uh, let's leverage these synergies yeah. but it's it's the same thing you learn when you're learning how to write especially like if you're learning how to write in a journalistic context or just in general um like the thing about like using unnecessary words is the biggest taboo like unnecessarily long and complicated words is the biggest taboo mm -hmm. when you're trying to learn how to communicate with people yeah and it seems like very amateurish writers will whatever they'll thesaurus it you know like they'll right, right. look for like a more complicated word when a simple one will do that's that's in my recs uh, that's one of the cardinal rules in one of my recs later yeah. but um it is interesting how you end up doing it too even when you exactly hate it. even if you don't yeah. mean to yeah because yeah. it's because part of the culture important. right exactly exactly yeah no, you're right. We're all guilty of it. But then you just think, can't we just boil this down to more simpler language that is still professional, right? You know what it kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of like um, politicians when they're campaigning and they have their like pitches and their slogans and their, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like no matter what mm -hmm. question you throw at them, they just go back to like those same talking points that kind are really Ooh. general and don't really mean anything and don't really answer your specific question, but they sound nice and they kind of make sense, but you walk away confused. That's what there's like a version of that for business slang. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. But then, and then you come, you're, you come away from it. You're like, I have no idea what they said or what happened. Yeah. I, I have a theory that it's because culturally right now we're obsessed with certain labels and words because you hashtag a word, right? They're key search words. These are mm -hmm. words that you can kind of 
select on social media to find the subject we're looking for. And I feel like we have an obsession with summarizing things. Like I'll give you an example. I was like talking to a friend about, um, you know, just the idea of like being more mindful about how you use your phone and not charging it next to your bed and getting the rest of it. Da, da, da. And then he's like, Oh yeah, it's called digital minimalism. I'm like, okay. So now someone just made up a, a label for the same concept that I explained. Right. Like, you didn't understand it when I explained it to you, but the second you had the label, it all clicked. And I just feel like we get obsessed with that because then you can do hashtag digital minimalism on everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean, but also like the like the phrase digital minimalism makes me want to uh-huh. do it less, even though I understand that it's like, you know, a beneficial. I'm just like, why? Do, like, am I just contrarian or does that appeal to people? Like, oh, yeah. I want to get into like digital minimalism. But it also feels like you just generally, like you said, you have a preference for more direct language versus more passive language. Like this is something I'm, I'm quite familiar with passive language because my first language is Farsi and like Farsi is a very passive language. Like it's like things happen to you. (laughs) It's like, it's a more passive aggressive. And it reminds me a lot of the way Brits speak. And when I lived in London, I just had a really hard time at work sometimes kind of reading the cues and the the words, quite frankly, to understand what people are saying. Like sometimes a partner would like call me in their office and be like, oh, well, I just have a few changes on the presentation. And I just had no idea. I'm like, are there typos or do I need to scratch the whole thing and start from the beginning? Like I have no idea where I stand. Um, and that yeah. I would just say like the Brits in particular are pretty they're really good at like evasive euphemisms, um, which oh I found God. really difficult in a work setting. Cause I was like, I just, wh- what do you want? Like, tell me, I'll, I'll change the whole thing. I just don't know what to do when I leave your office. You know, this is what I'm saying. I just feel like life would be so much easier for so many people. If people just yes. say what they want to say. However, on the other hand, if you've ever dealt with a German person or like a Dutch person, in a working yes. environment, it can be so incredibly offensive. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. because we're, I mean, English is like on the more direct of the spectrums of mm-hmm. like, or American culture is like, but they are more so direct. direct. They are but right there's right. a, yeah. Like you won't say like, oh, like, hmm, this needs a bit more work or something that you would say in the US. Like, okay. In the UK, you right. would say, oh, you know, this is quite good, meaning it's shit in the US. Right. This could use a bit more work, meaning it's mm-hmm. shit. And in Germany, they'll be like, this is bad. Sorry, this I did my German voice. Actually, this I have is a bad. very I have a very funny story about this. So um when I was working in in consulting in London, we were on an international project and each of us were like in charge of a different territory for this like global systems rollout. Um, I had France, another person had Benelux, so like Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, somebody else had Germany, Spain, etc. So it was like all the European countries. And um, we also had the same assignment. <laughs> and I remember we got the first review of them back from the respective people in those countries. And like the girl that had looked after Benelux, it was like all red on her paper. Like they just bled over the whole thing. And you think like she screwed it up, but she didn't really have any more errors or issues than the rest of us. It's just the direct communication. 
They're like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. Like like the first day she was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then we kind of went through and we're like, no, this is just a matter of communication. (laughs) Wait, this is so funny because I Mm -hmm. feel like whenever I've done like editing work, I always just like get right in there, like make a lot of comments and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And people get offended. I didn't realize, oh, you have to like dance around people's egos. Something I learned later on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Exactly. uh, To be an editor in Germany. Speaking of German, why don't we go into our next category, which are words that we love or just think we have a strong vibe. And I'll start off with schadenfreude. Love it. Schadenfreude. Yes. It's an emotion we all have. And yet in the English language, we don't have a word for it. This is stupid. Best word ever. Would you what like you? to um, would you like to define define that for people who oh, might not okay, know? Sure. Schadenfreude is when you take pleasure out of the misery of others. So oh, let's say so like good. I don't know, you're really competitive with a coworker, so and they, they like I don't know, screw up a a presentation in front of everyone, and you you know get some satisfaction watching them fail. <laughs> it's a terrible. Yeah. Pa- emotion but you know we all feel this it is universal it is definitely universal oh isn't there also a german word for secondhand embarrassment yes that one is fremd shaman i don't think i'm saying that correctly it's not easy schadenfreude is pretty easy easy to say but like <laughs> yeah that's not schadenfreude yes that one oh god also very good the germans have all these words that mean things that we just don't have in the English language. And we either need to adopt them or create our own words because they're very useful. Well, they have a, okay. So like in German, you're allowed to like meld words together and like create a new word. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, we really should. I, English is like a very incorporative language, but we really need to like make up some more words. We are. We are actually. So I was thinking of some of the other um, foreign words that I really like. Uh, so one of them is saudade, which is mm-hmm, a, Portu- mm-hmm. a Portuguese word for, I can best describe it as emo. Like nostalgic. Like, yeah. Nostalgic and like a like sad, but like not sad, sad. Like you're like happy being sad. Or you're yeah, like... Yeah it's embracing the sad. Yes. And I'm like, we came up with emo in like 2005. Yeah. To describe this beautiful tradition called Saudade. Yes. That's a good one. I really like that one. So I think that Yiddish is mm-hmm. one of the most expressive languages for complaints. Uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, propagate any stereotypes about my people, but Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yiddish language has the best words for complaining. Yes. About, especially about other people. There are, and, and a lot of these have been incorporated into English. We have schmuck, schlemiel, schmegegi, schlemazel, um, schnorr, and there's more. Anyway, <laughs> so one of the, so schmuck means just kind of a dick. Schmegegi mm-hmm. means like kind of like a, they all mean different types of annoying person. So mm. yeah, Schmagegi is you're a bit of a dick, but you're not powerful. The Schlemiel Schlemazel divide is fantastic because a, a Schlemiel is always described as the person who haplessly does a bad thing. 
like so it's the person who spills the soup on somebody else's lap <laughs> and the shlamazel is something somebody that always has something bad done to them so they're the person whose soup the lap got spilled into and everybody knows who those people are everybody like you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah you know those folks yes. So anyway, Yiddish is very specific in terms of its uh, classification of people who are either pathetic or annoying, <laughs> which is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also a schnar is like a mooch and a shikar. Um, uh, oh, I forgot shikar. Shikar is a drunk. So, but they all kind of sound the same, but they're all my favorite words for like, like there's a mooch, but it's not like a mooch mooch like a schnar is not like a mooch but like a schnar is like kind of stingy but is um <laughs> so jerry seinfeld once described it as the person who like goes up to like the nut bowl and picks all the nuts he likes out of like into his hand <laughs> and like runs away with it and eats them like that's yeah, a schnar. yeah. That's a schnar. but like you know that person and like you know the shlemiel and you know the schmazel yeah. We all yeah. know that person. What other words do we absolutely love? I don't know, Sanaz. What do you love? <laughs> well, I like when we say tits up. <laughs> when something doesn't, it's like, goes awry. We're like, oh, that went tits up. <laughs> tits up. Really tits, is, tits is such a good word. I agree. I agree. That one cracks me up. I also texted you this accidentally very early um, the other morning. I was just trying to like write notes for myself and I sent it to you, but I was doing a Peloton ride and I just love the funny inspirational words and quotes they use. Like one of them was like midwife your dreams <laughs> and your power posse. Like, I don't know. I know these are more phrases, but I just like cracked up like on the bike and was like, oh my God, I got to write these down for Rachel. Do you want to give credit to the uh, the hosts that? Oh God, inspired? I think it was like Robin Arzon or something. She has some oh, really yeah. funny fingers. <laughs> I think I think it was a Lizzo ride, so that feels like it's on par. Yes, it does. it does. Okay, let's each name our favorite word. If we have to pick one, what is your favorite word in English language? Um, I think mine would have to be onomatopoeia. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of sounds like what it is, but it doesn't also, like, I was really proud of myself for learning how to spell it when I was, like, nine. Little and O-N-O-M-A-T-O. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just a fun way. It's like, oh, the sound of words. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. What about you? Mine is centrifuge. Just fucking love it. it. I don't know why. Just love that it's word. A, it's a good. It's centrifuge. Mm -hmm. Like, and I use it all the time. Like, I don't like. I'm like, oh, this was centrifuged well. <laughs> or you know, like at the gym, those little machines that um, dry up your bathing suit. I'm like, wow, this centrifuge is really strong. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a literal centrifuge. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, I love that. I love that. Okay, so wait, do we do we now talk about our least favorite? I think so. Let's do it. Okay, mine is intimate. <laughs> I don't know. Ew. I was just like, I don't know what this says about me. <laughs> like, like, 
my least favorite words are like, I, but I think most people's are. It, like it is used in a very broad setting, right? Like we could say a boardroom is an intimate setting to discuss a contract. And we could also say those people are being intimate. <laughs> I, yeah. It's so, I, I wonder if it's like linked to, I, I mean, I think it's linked to like how it's used in, I will say this, feminine hygiene products. You'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. it's like intimate wash or something. And you would see yeah. that. It would be like very misogynistic and like targeted at women. It'd be like here because like you're not like everything that was like intimate was something that like is supposed to be like something that women should fix about themselves just for like right. being alive. Um, the word I don't Who like cares? is more of a word that I don't get and it doesn't make any sense to me is the word when we say meat cute, like they're meat cute. I was like, I... The first time I heard it, I just couldn't figure out what it meant from just the description of the words. And then when someone explained it to me, I was like, this just feels so stupidly wrong. Like, I'm like, it's not grammatically correct. It's missing components of the phrase. I just don't like it. (laughs) I just hate when people say meet cute. Okay, but what about, okay, because like, here's the thing. It makes total sense to me. Like, it makes sense to me. Like, I'm just like, oh, they met in a cute way. Like they didn't, you know, I don't know. They met in the aisle of a super. Well, why isn't it met cute? I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if it's supposed to explain something in the past and how it was adorable. I just, I don't know. I, I, well, I it, really was, it was, they had a meet cute. They had a cute meeting. Fine. But they had a meet cute. I just feel like we're reversing but, words. It's like seat belt and belt seat. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't like what we're doing here. No, but what if. What about it is like grading? Because this is interesting because I, I still don't get it. Like I'm just like. It feels like it needs another verb, even though there's already a verb in there. And the order of the words stresses me out. It should just be a phrase. I don't know why we're like making it a concept or a word. I just, I don't think we can streamline this one down. <laughs> and right. just the word cute drives me nuts. And it's like two syllables that are so simple, but it just doesn't, I don't know. I really can't explain it, but I hate it so much. You know what? I bet there's tons of people who feel the same way. I just... And, and it, it's ineffable. I, it's really hard yes. to explain. No, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing you can't explain. I mean, why is moist grosser than damp? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We could talk about words forever, Rachel. Do we want to give our recs? I think we people? should. Why don't you start us off? All right. So I, as a, I don't know, I'm a little bit less flexible around language than most people, but I appreciate, you know, new words, things coming into the language, whatever. But the one thing I always recommend is uh, the elements of style by Strunk and White, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the classic book about how to write. I, I had a, teacher very early on like I think in middle school who made us learn the principles and I think it's the only reason I'm a good writer I just you know I just believe in a little bit of discipline and ultimately saying what you mean uh as much as you can as politely as you can or as like creatively or fun as you can you know but yep I'm with you there Um, I think most people can be taught to be pretty good writers Maybe I think be so like too. Novelist, but like most people can be quite convincing and concise and get their point across very clearly. Yeah, but don't tell people that because I um, need 
to work. Job, job security. <laughs> what is, what are your recs? I just have a simple one today. And that is a comedy bit from 1972 by George Carlin. And you oh, can find it on YouTube and just look up seven words you can't say on TV. And when he did this in 1972, no one was able to say those seven words on TV. And it was just so risque and I don't know, salacious back then that he did it. And now like we hear those words all over different shows, but it's just funny to me when I watched it for the first time, cause I was like, why can't you say those words? Like why that word versus another word? Like why was it that bad back then? So I think some of them will make sense on the list, you know, just for the children trying to keep things clean. But there are a couple words on there. You're like, really? Like that was off limits. So and there's a really good HBO documentary about George Carlin. Um, that Judd Apatow created. It's wonderful. And there is just like this really interesting segment. And there's a lot of comedians that are like, I remember being, you know, a middle schooler watching that come on and just like, you know, being completely floored. Like, it's just, it's, it's fascinating how kind of in the zeitgeist and, and memorable it is in comedic history. So words, seven words you can't yeah. say, but now we say it all seven the time. Oh, and like, honestly, like love George Harlan. Everybody should watch all of his. Yes. Stuff. His, he was so right on everything. It's just like he read people so well. There's this whole rant that I think it went viral around the time Roe v. Wade was. Yes, uh, I remember that one. Yeah. And it, he, he was, just, it was, it's like a basically common sense take. Mm -hmm. It's like he's able to frame things in terms of common sense, but he's not doing it as a shill for the right, which is what we see, I think, a lot of the right. time nowadays. And he was able to, he was really able to critically look at systems and the inefficiencies and corruptions of systems as a whole. And I think that's why his work is still so timeless, even compared to other comedians. A lot of comedians work, it's good for the moment, but it doesn't age as well. Not that it's inappropriate. It's just not as funny later on when you yeah. have kind of events. And his stuff yeah. is just, I mean, like you said, like, you know, a big ruling from the Supreme Court comes out and a George Carlin clip is still so relevant, right? So he was great. He had a way with words. Yes. Yes, and yes, and that's... <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, and that's what we've been talking about, and George Carlin is the best at words. <laughs> fuck, fuck Shakespeare, I love him. No. Yes, yes. Move over Shakespeare. <laughs> Bring on the George Honestly, Carlin. okay, okay, here's my controversial opinion. I would love yeah. to share this. Oh my god, I, I love where you're going with this. Go on. I think I share it. Okay, nobody fucking enjoys Shakespeare. I'm sorry. Thank you. you can't Thank you. You can't, you can't go to a fucking Shakespeare play and understand it because it's not in the version of the English language that we speak today. So it's yeah. basically unintelligible and everybody pretends to understand it. And I'm sorry, no, you can't. And I speak English better than most people, I think, in yeah. general. It's what I have to do. Um, but I don't fucking understand it. I went to King Lear and I didn't understand a word. Yeah. I was just like, thou hast... And everybody's like, yeah, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. And it's whatever. Everybody's full of shit. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I, I, couldn't I had to read it with Chris notes and I had to like look up what was going on and everybody else who says they understand it is fucking lying. And even if they quote understand it, do you enjoy it? Like I just, I am. Are so you enjoying it? Or is not, it so much sure. work because there's no translation and you're like, and they're like, thou hast doth milady. And you're like, 
and they the, the syntax is completely fucked too like the whatever the sentences are all jumbled from what we would say today and it just doesn't like i get it but i but that's only because like i've had to try to get it most people don't fucking understand shakespeare it's bullshit wow we Not, just ended you know, on a really high note. I love how we just bullshitted about words and then the end we're like, fuck Shakespeare. No, fuck Shakespeare. Oh, also one more thing. Um, this is the one conspiracy theory, which I don't think is a conspiracy theory. I actually yeah. think that Shakespeare was two women that he paid to write his stuff. I mean, Rachel, we're really, we're really getting Oh no, we're it. really getting into it. But these are things that I truly believe in. I um, could not agree with you more, though. I feel like people want to pretend to be highbrow and pretend like they love it. And I think of it's such a snooze fest for me. And I and I love it, you know, like, Masterpiece Theater and any, you know, Jane Austen and all the things from like the Victorian era. Love that shit. But Shakespeare. No, thank you. No, but just as it's written, it's just not in our language. It's it's yes. really not the same English language that we have. Um, so also, whatever, I could get into this for a very long time, but <laughs> There was this woman named Amelia Bassano, and she was um, she was yeah. part of like a noble aristocratic house uh, in England, and she had lived in Italy and was very educated and moved. Anyway, there's a lot of evidence between like and Shakespeare was just some like theater producer, and I'm pretty sure got these women to write for him. There's always been these like Shakespeare controversies. Mm -hmm. about like he didn't really write for himself and I think they were started by people who like knew him and were just like this guy's a fucking moron he did not write that <laughs> and then somehow it became accepted and then but all of the other theories were like well who wrote it it, could, it must have been a man but like why would they have hidden their names if it right. was women why <laughs> of course they would have hidden their names and he paid them this is my theory there's an Atlantic <laughs> article <laughs> called Was Shakespeare a Woman? It was from 2019, the case for Amelia Bassano. Anyway, also a I lot of Shakespeare's it. plays have a lot of empathy for women where like that would not have been present. Well, with that- What a rant. What a rant. <laughs> I'm what sorry. A rant. a rant about the ultimate person with words, Shakespeare, and we're just gonna take him down. Okay, well, this has been a great conversation. Um, thank you guys for joining us and we'll- See you next time. See you later, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.